This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter on Zoom with Eli McCann. Hey, Eli. Hey, Meg. How are this, you? I'm good. I, this is starting to feel like, remember, is it Wally, like that Disney movie where nobody actually interacts in person anymore? Uh-huh. Am I getting that mixed up with some something else? Like, am I ever going to be in the same room with you again, or are our lives just going to be Zoom calls from now on? They're probably going to be Zoom calls for the foreseeable future, at least. Remember in Wally how they all get like super chubby? Yeah. <laughs> I put on a pair of pants yesterday and I was like, did I accidentally dry these? Or <laughs> is this the COVID 19? Yeah, the, the, the number one symptom of COVID 19 is we all get fat. Yes, but it's fine. It's I'd, rather, fine. I'd rather get fat than sick. Yeah. Um, so Nick sadly can't join us today, and I want to say we got an email asking us to do Drop Dead Gorgeous, which, as you may recall, is an episode we recorded, but the recording did not work, and we were both really excited to do Drop Dead Gorgeous again. However, I could not find it on Hulu or any other streaming service. I don't know if they pulled it again, and we want to talk about content that you, the listener, can watch. Um, so we are not going to talk about Drop Dead Gorgeous today. Hopefully it'll come back online somewhere at some point. We'd love to talk about it then. Mm-hmm. Um, instead we're going to talk about Emma, the new movie that's now available to rent from Universal on streaming platforms. But first, Eli, tell me what you've been watching. So I've actually been watching not that much TV, which I don't know mm-hmm. how that's like, I'm watching less TV than normal. And I think it's because because I'm at home and I know that like binging TV is a thing I can do. I've been like trying to really limit how much I'm doing it. And I'm doing a better job of that than I normally do when we're not all sequestered in our houses. Sure, sure. And so, so I'll be like, I can't turn on the TV during the day tonight. I can watch some TV. And then once the evening comes, I'm like, I have some things that I can still do before I turn on the TV. And then all of a sudden it's time for bed. But that's it. Yeah, I know. I'm Kind of an amazing person. Um, this weekend, Skylar and I watched two movies, uh, Friday and Saturday night. Um, the Friday night, we watched Naked Gun, which neither of us had ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Naked Gun is wild. It's Have you ever watched so it? Funny. It's so funny. It is so funny. Um, I don't think it's as funny as Airplane. I think Airplane is like two times funnier than Naked Gun, but I very much love Airplane. There, I mean, you have to be in the right mood, right? Yes. Uh, But it's, for me, it's, it's so chock full of jokes. It feels like they just got on set and they're like, okay, here are the jokes we have written. What 
20 other jokes can we put in this scene? And they're all dumb, but yeah. it's the sheer number of them. <laughs> yeah. where you're like, I can't believe they're pulling this off. There is a joke a second, if not more. Yeah, I enjoyed it so much. There was one joke in it that Skylar has fallen in love with and is has been using nonstop for the last three days. And it's at one point they're like, he has a 50-50 chance of living and only a 10% chance of that. And I don't know why, but that made Skylar <laughs> laugh so hard. So he's been repeating that. And it reminded me of one of my favorite jokes in Waiting for Guffman, which is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. When um, like the conspiracy theorist alien person is like talking about the crop circles and he's like, if you step inside of this crop circle, it is always 72 degrees with a 30% chance of rain always. <laughs> Incredible. Anyway, I recommend Naked Gun. Uh, it was like exactly the kind of silliness that I needed at the end yeah. of a, our first uh, social quarantine, social distancing week. And then on Saturday, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we watched La Vie en Rose. Have you mm. ever watched that? It's old, right? It's like 2008 or seven. I think. I haven't. Was it good? It's very good. So it's one of Skyler's very favorite movies. He's been trying to get me to watch it for a long time. It's a French film about Edith Piaf, the singer, and um, played by Marion Cotillard. And she won won the uh, Best Actress for it that year at the Oscars. It was kind of a surprise. Oh. Um, This movie, if you saw Judy last year, this movie is what Judy tried to be. Gotcha. Um, Judy is, it's like, pretty much the same story it's the same vibe but judy was really cheesy and this movie was kind of a lot rougher around the edges it is a french film so there were subtitles it's very long Mm -hmm. i think it's like three hours long because it's a french film yeah because it's a french film but you know what we all have a lot of time right now so if you're looking for a (laughs) long movie to watch that won't feel like it's rotting your brain uh this is one that i would recommend awesome anything else no what have you been watching um, we have been watching a show called Love Sick, which is on Netflix, but it's a British show. It was originally called Scrotal Recall, and I guess the audiences in America just couldn't get behind a show called Scrotal Recall. Uh-huh. And so they changed the title to Love Sick, which I think was a good move because you hear the title Scrotal Recall and you're like, what is, yeah. is this, you know, porn? Like, what am I about to watch? Um, yeah. And it's not. It's just a guy who gets diagnosed with chlamydia and has to go and tell all of his partners that he's had um, over like the last 10 years. And so it's kind of um, a jumbled chronology in flashbacks, but it's also his story in the present. Uh, It's really charming, Mm -hmm. uh, very British, very can have on and pay half attention. Okay. Which is kind of what I need right now. There's a, there's an entire episode of The Office that is, I guess, maybe a parody on that idea where Michael Scott goes around to all of his love people that he's like dated in the past to tell them that he has a cold sore. <laughs> I don't remember that. You don't remember that episode? It's It's like... <laughs> So by by the way, this actually brings up something I was going to ask you about. Um, Skylar introduced this term to me that I have never heard called, have you ever heard of a bottle episode? Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Oh, really? You um, can tell so- in every, like, we'll start to notice it in all the series you watch when it's like mid-season and they're clearly short on budget. 
Yeah. Well, so he, the way he described it is they, they want to have a bigger budget for an episode later on. So they do a really low budget episode. It's all and in they, one room. It's all in one room. It's like, and so the reason why it came up is last week's episode of Schitt's Creek, they like go to an escape room. And as soon as the episode started, Skylar was like, oh, this is a bottle episode. And he's oh. like, because the series finale is coming up. So they're probably saving their money for like a big thing at the end. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it reminded me of that because the episode of The Office where Michael Scott goes to like all of the past people to talk to them about his cold sore feels very much like a bottle episode. It's yeah. just like sitting on park benches or getting on the phone and calling people. So, sorry. Interesting. No, yeah, uh, no, it's really good. Uh-huh. What was that? Back to you. Sorry. No, it's, it's a very charming, it's funny, not like the funniest show you'll ever see, but funny, like a joke here and there. You like the characters. You'll watch it and you'll be like, oh, it's that guy from that British thing I've seen because they have like uh, five actors that they use over and over. Yeah. Pretty enjoyable. Also started Tiger King, which is on Netflix. Um, mm. I've only watched one episode so far, but I'm really excited to watch more. It's a docu-series about big cat owners um, mm. like tigers and lions and the war they have with animal rights activists who mm-hmm. also have some questionable motives. Super interesting, super out there characters. Uh, I think there's like a plot for a murder. I'm only one episode in, but I think that like someone hires a hitman to kill somebody. It's just, it seems wild. Uh, I think it's only going to get wilder. Very excited. And then we're still just watching an episode or two of 30 Rock every night. Um, yeah. Like I said last week, it's like our downstairs do crossword shows. Yeah. So I also, um, this over the past week, watched the, I think it's 96 version of Emma. I should have written down the date, starring Gwyneth Paltrow, Clueless, an Emma adaptation, and the new Emma that was in theaters before everything went bananas, and Universal released it for a rental. Um, I think to make up for the loss of ticket sales that they've been having. So I watched those three Emma adaptations and I'm excited to talk to you about how they compare. So Eli, have you seen all of those? I, so, um, I had not seen, uh, anything or did not know anything about Emma until I went like the day before social distancing started Skylar and I happened to go to the theater and watch the new Emma. So that was a completely new thing for me. And what did you think of it? I thought, and the reason we went is we, I was hoping that we were going to get Little Women, but we ended up getting more like the Phantom Thread. <laughs> um, it was yeah. just kind of wild to me. Um, it, I thought it was a beautiful film. The scenery is gorgeous. The houses yeah. are like really fun to see. The costuming. The costuming is really good. Um, it's very long, and because I had not read the book and was not familiar with the story, I literally walking in could not have told you like a single thing about the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, we were really confused through it, and I definitely yeah. got the sense while I was watching it, like, oh, I bet if you've read this book, you would feel like this is a pretty good adaptation, but we just couldn't keep track of characters it sort of felt like every scene was like mr hicklesworth and miss biggerly are walking over to mr snockadoo and we're just like who the hell are any of the like we couldn't keep track of people and so that was my big problem 
I think that because I'm so familiar with the source material, I've seen the Gwyneth Emma a million times. I've seen Clueless a million times. Um, I understood it better and could follow it. It's definitely different than the other adaptations. I've heard it compared to the favorite in tone and style. Definitely. It's not quite as out there. And obviously the content is vastly different, but it is kind of that deadpan, awkward pause, no expression on faces kind of movie, as opposed to the 90s version, which is like wrapping yourself in a warm blanket. Okay. Um, and more along the lines of Little Women, uh, okay. where you just immediately fall in love with all the characters. And in this, Emma, there's not a single likable character in the bunch, which honestly I think might be truer to the Jane Austen novel. Okay. Um, because Emma is not a really great person. She's um, definitely not in this movie. You just yeah. want to strangle her the whole time. She's definitely entitled and a little bit of a brat. Um, And I can't recall the actress's name, but I think she did a pretty good performance on that front. And actually, uh, Mr. Knightley is the star of Lovesick, so I was endeared to him for that reason. I don't know what I would have thought of the performance outside of that. I did think he had some pretty good scenes, and I did like um, Mrs. Bates. Yeah, that's the uh, actress, what's her name, played who's in Miranda. Yeah, yeah, it's Miranda from Miranda. What, she's what also in Spy. She's yeah. also in Call the Midwife. I can never remember her name, and I, I love her. As soon as we saw her come onto the screen, we were, like, very excited. Yeah, I think she's probably the best part. Yeah. I can't think of her name. They date, They made an interesting casting choice in that they didn't hire very many, like, attractive Oh, I was going to touch on this. They pretty much everyone in this movie is really ugly. And like the main love interest guy, I was just like, maybe I could get behind this a little bit more if I at least thought he was cute. But the whole time I was like, Emma, you can do better. This guy is not good looking. Also, why did they make us see him naked in this movie? I was very uninterested in that. Really? What was the point of that? I was okay with it. Uh, Miranda <laughs> Hart. It, Miranda Mar- Hart is her Miranda name. Miranda Hart. Do you find him attractive? Yeah, but again, I think it's because of Lovesick. In Lovesick, oh. he's attractive. In this, I think they were trying to be true to the periodness of it. You, you know, one problem that I have in some of these like period pieces you, that take place in the 19th, 18th, 17th centuries is I can't get over how did how bad those people must have smelled so whenever they're like kissing i'm always like gross ew gross gross don't touch each other gross you don't have toothpaste you don't have crust yeah Yeah. Yeah. let's see when was this like early 1800s yeah i think they had like kind of started to figure out hygiene by then right but when i watch romeo and juliet when that's like 14th 15th century it's like "Mm, their teeth are definitely rotting i don't know i don't know about that yeah Yeah. i agree Okay, I want to talk about Clueless. Okay, and by the way, I so to clarify, I have seen Clueless, and I do like Clueless, but until we started recording this podcast, I did not know that Clueless was a parody on Emma. Like, the fact that you just told me that is kind of blowing my mind. Oh, really? Yeah. So... That's just something I've known. I think because I saw Emma and I saw Clueless in the same year um, as, like, a 10-year-old, and someone used it and said, like, hey... 
just so you know, going into Emma, think of Clueless and it'll help make more sense. So if you use Clueless as a reference point, because Clueless is maybe the simplest movie to understand, mm-hmm. um, you'll understand better who the characters are. And it's a pretty direct adaptation. Okay. Um, it's such a fun movie. Yeah. This I, is, I want to go back and watch Clueless now that I know this. I think that's going to yeah, be fun. You to should. Watch. I actually, I think you should go watch the Gwyneth Emma. Because okay. I think that's going to give you a little more clarification on who these characters are. Mm-hmm. You do need to pay attention. Like it is like a, you'll have to keep track of everyone. And so it requires your full attention. But it does make watching Clueless a lot more fun. Um, so Cher obviously is Emma in the story. Dion is Mrs. Taylor. Her dad is a widower. Um, and then you have, instead of... In Emma, the story, there's a Frank Churchill who is the supposed, he's meant for Emma. He's meant to be the love interest for Emma. And in the 90s version, or in Clueless, they've decided to make a character called Christian, who is the Frank Churchill of the story, but he's uh, gay. Okay. Um, which I feel like was in some ways ahead of its time, and in other ways, the way they handle that character isn't super great and I kind of want to get your thoughts on that what do you think is not great about the way they handle the character um they say things like friends of Dorothy cake boy I don't even know what that means I don't either um just very much like you know he's gay Uh uh-huh Lots they, of stereotypes. Because my, my memory, and it's been a while since I've seen Clues, but my memory is that they they go a very long time in the movie without actually calling him gay, but they just like come up with uh, all sorts of like f- catchphrases to describe him. Yeah. Um. You know what? I don't remember ever being offended by that portrayal of him. And maybe partly because I feel like, and I may be remembering this incorrectly, but I feel like in Clueless, they make him a likable character and one that you're kind of rooting for. Yeah. Which, which was probably a little bit unique for the nineties where typically if you had a gay character in a movie, it was only played for jokes and like there was no humanity provided that character as well. And I, I think he's played for a lot of jokes. I mean, the, the fact that he's gay is a joke in the movie because doesn't she have a crush on him at first? Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, in the end, I think, isn't he supposed to be somebody that you like, like, and yeah. feel they like end has been up developed? Being really great friends, which yeah. is actually different than the Frank Churchill character in Emma, who essentially lied to her and misled her. And yeah. Christian in Clueless never does that to share. Um, he may omit some truth, but it's never, uh, I'm showing you romantic interest. It's let's hang out. Mm-hmm. She realizes that he's gay and they become really good friends. And sure, she does say he's turned into like my best shopping buddy, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, like a little bit of a stereotype. But for the 90s, the fact that Cher is so open minded about it and right. so willing to be like, oh, OK, cool. Let's go shopping. Right. I think was pretty forward thinking. Yeah, I, I I expect very little out of 90s movies yeah. uh, in terms of like portrayal of LGBT people. <laughs> and so, and yeah, like I said, I just, I don't have a memory of being frustrated or annoyed with Clueless on that front. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Also, Paul Rudd. Um, yeah. Kind of the beginning of Paul Rudd in the American consciousness, I think. Yeah. So adorable. 
Paul Rudd looks the exact same age now as he did in Clueless, just as adorable now as he was then. Just as adorable. Yeah. Um, their relationship, I wouldn't say it's given a lot of time to develop. Mm-hmm. And it sure seems to just tie itself nightly in a bow there at the end. Uh-huh. You can tell that's where you're starting to be like, oh, yeah, this is a movie for teenagers. This uh-huh. was a movie that was like widely promoted on MTV. This uh-huh. wasn't like we're really going to get adults to like this movie. And I almost feel like they were surprised by the response, yeah. by how many people truly love this movie. Oh, funny. And I wonder if they could go back in time if they would just spend a little more time developing the interest between those two characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I think if I had to pick a favorite between those three, I think that the 90s Gwyneth Paltrow Emma is probably my favorite. Okay. Followed a very close second by Clueless. And then I didn't dislike the new Emma but I didn't like it as much as those two. Okay. You know, it, the interesting thing, I've been thinking about this since I saw it, when you are adapting, you know, some book into a screenplay, you have this huge challenge where you you need to try to figure out how to adapt it in a way that people who are familiar with the source material are going to feel like you did it justice and are yeah. not dumbing it down and telling them stuff that they already know to a point that they're bored while also making sure that you're introducing a world to a new audience in a way that they're going to be able to understand. And I think that that line is super hard to walk. And I think a lot of times when people adapt screenplay uh, source material into a screenplay, they pick a side. And I I feel like we saw that with like the Harry Potter series, for example, where they just sort of, you sort of had this feeling that they were like, okay, we know the audience that we're speaking to is an audience that has read these books and is obsessed with these books. So we're just going to try and speak to that audience. And I feel like this adaptation of Emma that we saw recently, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it felt like whoever wrote the screenplay was just like, we're just going to assume most of the people who are interested in this have read the book or are familiar with the story already. And so yes. it made it, that's what made it difficult for us to watch this. Um, I think we can't all be Greta Gerwig. And I think Greta Gerwig with Little Women last year found like this perfect line where like somebody like me who had never read the book and had not seen the the first movie in a long, long time and really didn't remember any of it. I didn't have a hard time following it, but my friends who loved the book felt like it had really captured what the book and story were supposed to be. Yeah. And so I think like, as I've thought more and more about Emma, I've kind of liked liked it more as I've thought about it, as I've sort of thought like, well, it's a beautiful film. Clearly they put a lot of care into it. And I I can tell that people who like the story and are familiar with the book probably would really enjoy watching it. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I I still think that they'd enjoy the original, and by original, I mean the Gwyneth Paltrow version more. Yeah. Um, but I like chocolate chip cookies more than I like sugar cookies, but I'll eat both. Yeah, gotcha. You know? Yeah. Uh, it was fun to see someone else's take on it. I really want you to watch the old one. Okay. Uh, I really want to hear it. your thoughts on that. Um, I think we're going to wrap for now. Okay. Believe it or not, I have another Zoom call I have to attend. Um, again, we'd love your suggestions for what you're looking for during this interesting time. Um, Eli 
told you that he's a good person is not watching that much TV. I'm watching a whole bunch of it. So <laughs> I am open to suggestions and open to suggestion for topics of discussion. Email me Meg at the Um, we'd love to hear what it is you're looking for and we will be back next week with something, something good. Yeah. Probably. So we will talk to you then. Okay.